This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 218 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. The Mounties are here. The Mounties are here. Please support our sponsors because they make this show possible. Today's sponsor, Stable Comfort by Promat. Visit them at StableComfort.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. They bring you the news through hail or high water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop calls. It's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. I am Glenn the Geek. And this is not Helena B., but Coach Jen. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Thank you for filling in today, Jennifer. Yes, every once in a while, Helena has to have a day off. Yep, she was a well-deserved week off this week. She had Slacker. some things going on, so we Slacker. so we let her uh, <laughs> we let her just take the week off. She'll be back next week. I'm very excited though because I get to talk to the Canadian Royal Canadian Mounted Police lady. I'm I sorry. know we're going to have uh, the representative corporate Karen Miller of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police uh, the musical ride portion. Yes, and we'll we'll find out why. Um, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police aren't really mounted anymore. So we have her coming up, and I want to apologize to everybody because I'm losing my voice. I can barely speak. I'm sure the whole audience is going, yay! <laughs> See, I would, uh, I would beg to dif- disagree with that. You're speaking just fine. You just sound a little squeaky sometimes. Yeah, I do. I definitely... Uh, we went and had a day off yesterday, and apparently that kills my voice. I don't know why. Well, you spent the entire day gabbing with one of your best buddies, yes. nonstop. Gabbing for... and eating and drinking. So <laughs> that, that did it, I think. Um, so let's get right to uh, our first guest right after this word from our sponsor, Stable Comfort by Promat. We're going to be right back here with Corporal Karen Miller of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. She's an instructor trainer with them, and she works with their musical ride for many, many years. And I think uh, I'm very excited to find out about some of the behind the scenes of their musical ride, which is absolutely spectacular, and you have to see it. Hey, folks, Coach Jen here from the Horse Tip Daily Show. All of us as horsemen mull over our horse's nutrition and stress out over their stress level and fret about their fitness. But when is the last time you puzzled over your horse's lounging and sleeping comfort? Research has shown us over and over that quantity as well as quality of rest and sleep are crucial for top athletic performance as well as overall well-being. Enter Stable Comfort by Promat. Astute horsemen everywhere have been trusting Stable Comfort by Promat to provide unsurpassed comfort for their equine charges, as well as an efficient and economical stall flooring system that saves them both labor and betting dollars. Still not sure? Well, here's what one of Stable Comfort by Promat's customers has to say. When I built my first custom stables slightly more than eight years ago, one of my greatest concerns was the stall mat selection. 
Frankly, I would rather have no stall mats than mats that constantly shift, tripping horses and requiring extra shavings to hide the problems in an attempt to make horses comfortable. And most of all, I dreaded the burden of having to move heavy mats and repack stall foundations. Mission accomplished, thanks to ProMat, for delivering an excellent product. The horses love it because it is comfortable. I love it because it looks perfect, even after eight years. We bed the stalls only as needed and use far less shavings than I ever could have had imagined. And it takes less time to clean the stalls when using less bedding. And that's from Ann Dewarge of Little Rock, Arkansas. But the accolades don't stop there. Head on over to StableComfort.com and find out why champions like Nick Skelton, Mary King, and Chris Cox use Stable Comfort by Promat Systems for their equine athletes. Well, Corporal Miller, thank you so much for joining us here. We appreciate you being on. You're quite welcome. Jennifer and I are so excited to have you on because we've seen your show a number of times over the years, and it, you know we think it's one of the best uh, horse, quote-unquote, uh, demonstrations or shows that's out there uh, just because of the precision and the timing and just how everything works like a, like a uh, an, the <gasps> ultimate drill team should. Military yeah. precision. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Imagine that. Well, first, before we get into the into the horses and the drill team and all of that, tell us a little bit about uh, about the relationship about the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Is that like the state police of Canada? It is a uh, federal police government that's in Canada, so we pretty much are stationed throughout uh, all the provinces. Except, okay. uh, and we do actual police duties, except for Ontario and Quebec, which is more of a federal thing. So to compare it to your uh, police forces down in the United States, I'm thinking the FBI. Okay. All right. Roughly. Cool. Yeah. And, and I read that you have uh, about 26,000 employees, so, so it's a pretty good size. Yeah, we cover a lot of area, that's for sure. Well, and that's the thing. You guys are so spread out in so many different areas. Are there still areas that use horseback uh, for police duties, or is, ha, are, have all of them gone to motorized vehicles now? Well, the, uh, the last patrol that was used with horses was back in 1936, probably before all of us were born. Um, we, the only reason we have horses are strictly for the musical ride, just ceremonial purposes. There are no patrols anymore. Huh. Didn't know that. Yeah, I thought. Now, that. however, there are some places in Canada, like in uh, Dawson Creek up in the uh, Yukon territories, they do have horses that it's more for tourism, but there is no actual patrols anymore. Do you use them like we do in our cities at all? No, we don't. No. Most of our, our huge cities have their own municipal police forces, so they are the ones that are using the mounted uh, have mounted units. And those are actually few and far between. As as you all know, there's been government cutbacks, yeah. and those are usually the first places that get cut, unfortunately. Yeah, that is true. So yeah. when you have people, how, then how do the officers, and, and we should clarify for everybody, that the, the, the individuals that ride in, in the drill team are actually officers and, and are out there doing the job every day? Yep, these, every member that you see on the ride is uh, a full-fledged police officer, so they'll do the, the beat, and they have to have at least two years of uh, police work experience before they can actually apply to come to the ride. Um, every year we get over 800 applications to come join our five-week basic training course. 
And these 800 applications come right across Canada, so from British Columbia right up to Newfoundland and Labrador. Out of those 800, we uh, choose about 30 to come on two separate courses. And out of those courses, we uh, go through a series of testings and on writing ability for a period of five weeks. And it's it's not really just the writing ability as well. It's also how they can uh, perform with other people, with a large group of members. Do they get along with them or do they deal well with the general public? So it's not I, I just the writing a, ability. Ooh, a... You know, once we've figured out who uh, who passes the course, then these guys come back and they spend pretty much uh, seven to nine months of actual riding training of about three hours a day. Wow, that's yeah. a lot. That's a lot of that's a lot of qualifying to do. I can see a um, a re- TV reality show. No, <laughs> and you know the the thing is with, with a lot of these members, they. Some of them have come here and they've never seen a horse. I was going to ask you that. Really? Yeah. That there is one individual, he was uh, born in Nain, which is up in Labrador. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it, but that's way, way, way far up northeast in Canada. And they don't have horses up there. And that was his first time coming here uh, to, to witness a horse and to ride a horse. So it's, it's pretty exciting to see some of them come in here. And they have no riding, riding abilities whatsoever, but within five weeks you can see them progress immensely. Yeah. Do you, and that's what we want to see. Do you have a lot of them that are very experienced riders? or We do get the odd one every year or every couple of years, yes. Um, me, personally, when I, when I teach the, uh, the students or the members or test them, I, it's a lot easier to train somebody that has no bad habits. <laughs> mm, I was thinking that. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's nothing against the people that have riding experience. It's great because we can we can use them on the the more needy horses. But uh, it's so nice to teach someone that has no bad habits whatsoever and teach them the way that you want them to ride. Every instructor listening to this show just shook their head up and down. <laughs> they're they're agreeing so. with you. <laughs> that's for sure. Some, that's my own personal opinion, and I find it works a lot easier. But no, they're all agreeing with you. I guarantee you. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it is like I said. It's very nice to have people that come in with horse knowledge because, you know, horses are horses. We know what they're like. They're they're you know they could freak out at any time, and we don't certainly want to get anybody hurt. You probably have less of the, the, at least the little more experienced ones getting coming unglued uh, during training anyway. Oh, yeah. Now tell us, so they actually come in and they'll, they'll spend almost a year, it sounds like, uh, in training, and then they go on, well, no wonder, no wonder everybody, they get 800 applicants a year. You, this is the greatest job ever if you're a policeman because you get to travel the world and, and do fun stuff. And not get shot at. And not get shot at. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's great. When I, uh, way, way back when I applied for the ride, it was back in 1996, and I had about 10 years police experience under my belt, and I thought to myself, you know what? It's time for a change. I've been old on the beat for 10 years, and I'm getting tired of it, and I want something different. And plus, of course, in the back of my mind, this was my ultimate dream when I joined the RCMP. Oh, really? But, yeah, to be exactly what I'm doing now, training the, the ride and training the uh, the horses. So... When they come in here, it's you know it's it's a lot a lot of work and it's a lot of physical work and it's a lot of long days. But at, in the end, it's great because you you get all these extra riding lessons for basically getting paid to do it. Mm-hmm. And then in the end, you you get a, a positive result, and then you go out on the road and and tour across Canada to places that you would never see if you know if you wanted to go visit. Uh, we go to places that 
I will probably never go to again, but it's great to see what your country looks like. And as well, the United States and over in Europe. I mean, it's a, it's a chance of a lifetime. Now, you, um, you, you came on, you said, back in the 90s, and you're actually an instructor there. Did you have horse experience? Were you a horsey girl growing up? You know, it's a funny question. Everybody asks me that, and I grew up with very little horse experience. I come from Nova Scotia. I grew up in a fishing village, and uh, my parents bought a piece of land off an old farmer that ran some trail ride, horse trail ride uh, farm. And that's where I learned how to ride. It was uh, trial and error and hang on to the horn, and that was pretty much it. But I always had a real fond love for horses. So most of my training um, actually came from coming to the ride and then continuing on with uh, uh, seminars and clinics and stuff like that that's put on through uh, for our, our uh, team that teaches here. So you've traveled all over the place with this ride. What place really stands out that you traveled to that just either surprised you that it was not what you expected or that you said, wow, what a, what a deal to be able to travel here. Cause that's just not something people get to do. Yeah. Um, you know what I've been, I've been thinking about that. Every place has, a, is, is very unique, but the one that really stands out in my head is, uh, back in 2000, the musical ride went and did a European tour. And one of the places that we flew into was um, Switzerland, Bern, Switzerland. Mm. I've never been to Europe before then, and I was very, very excited. And when I got there, it was just amazing how people treat you, and you're, you're treated like like you're a rock a rock star. Like it's you know totally <laughs> royalty, different. yeah, totally different. I mean, I, when people think of Canada, um, this is what I'm thinking is that. They they see the Mountie and they see them on their horseback in the Red Surge and it's just like amazing. I mean, it is Canada's. I I find it's Canada's number one icon. We're world renowned, and then when you go over there, it's just the response you get from people. It's amazing. Like we had sold out tickets every every night of the shows. Well, and it's it's interesting too because in Europe they appreciate horses more than than we do here in the United States or Canada. You know, the people that aren't. Riding horses every day over there, your 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 riders are celebrities, you yeah. know, yeah. and and that translated to you guys too, and and they and rightly so. Your show is terrific, mm-hmm. but now I do have a question: How many performances do you do a year on average? It depends. Um, we try to uh, accommodate certain provinces every four years. So that, that's what I had heard is you, like if if we got you to come in for an event, then we couldn't get you back for four years at least, right? Is well, that... yeah, otherwise we'd be traveling all over yeah. uh, all over the country and spending more time traveling than actually doing shows. So right. uh, coming up next year, we are going to be traveling to northern Ontario, which is not very far from where we're at now, but it's it's up in no man's land, and also British Columbia, which is one of our bigger provinces, and it's going to be a long haul out there for about two months' worth of shows. So, you know, we won't go back there for another four years. So at least that way... Every province will have an opportunity to have us come there. Okay. So you kind yeah. of do a, a circuit, so to speak, to, to try to spend more time doing performances than hauling horses. Now, when you um, travel to a venue, do you have special um, rigs that you folks use that are owned by the Mounted Police, or do you hire a commercial van system? How does that work? How do you travel around? Um, it's just like a circus, pretty much. We have <laughs> well, there's more, horses figuratively involved. and literally. <laughs> yeah, more ways than one. Uh, we travel with 36 horses, and wow. we have um, we have four tractor trailers, 
One which is a uh, equipment only, so that's our tack truck, and then the three other trailers hold 12 horses each. So each year there's a contract that goes out, and uh, local uh, transport horse transport companies will bid on it. And for the past twenty odd years, we've had the same company, and they've been great to us. Oh, that's cool. They uh, they come out and they transport our trailers around. Uh, the trailers are owned by Crown Assets, so they're owned by the government of Canada. And uh, then the members themselves, they uh, we do the same thing with buses. Like we have one bus that uh, has a contract for that year, and they travel off. They take their members wherever we go, unless we have to fly. So it's like a band. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It is. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's a band. It is. You know, it's it's a lot of preparation and uh, and a lot of work, but uh, it's it's so neat to see. I remember when I was a kid, I never saw the musical ride until I was an actual police officer in Newfoundland back in '91. I did not ever see the police or the musical ride before in wow. Nova Scotia. So when you see them traveling on the highway, it's pretty cool. It's just like the caravan. I mean, it is, and you guys four. have all the wraps on the trucks, which are which uh, really make them stand out with all the signage. Oh yeah, you know that's sure. something that uh, the NASCAR drivers have taken up doing here in the states. Is they actually will post via their pace, Facebook or nowadays using Twitter, what their route is going to be to their next race. And the fans gather on all the overpasses and scream and yell and jump up and down and take pictures of them as they drive by. Oh, that's pretty neat. Yeah, Yeah, so (laughs) So you guys need to start doing that. Yeah, suggest that. Well, well, the thing is, we we actually kind of do that a little bit now. On our website, um, they, they give you our tour schedule for that year. And it gives you the dates of where we're going to be. So, I mean, if you live near a community that's hosting the, the, the musical ride, then you have opportunity to go visit. Well, let's talk about the horses. Uh, that's one of the things that when you see the musical ride, obviously, as horse people, that we just were in awe by. Because do you breed all your own to make them so identical? Yes, we have our own breeding program. You would have and to. And, have our... and what kind are they? What are we, what breed um, are we They're predominantly Hanoverian which is a German warm blood, yep, and yep. With sometimes with a little bit of thoroughbred in it as well. But we're more prone to Hanoverian now because the the old thoroughbred mares are are slowly dwindling away. So we're back into the uh, the full Hanoverian breed. And I mean, and, the, you, you, I, I don't, there's no white. Is there much white on these horses? And most of them are just black. See, with the Hanoverian, um, what I've been told is that there is basically you're more likely to get a dark, like a dark bay or a black color out of a Hanoverian rather than a thoroughbred. And what we try to do is that we have we have three stallions, um, and we have I think 24 brood mares right now. So we try to mix and match and produce as much uh, as black as possible and with as little bit of chrome as possible. I mean, mm. the more blacker and the less white, the better it is because. When you have a, a Mountie sitting on a horse with the red surge, it really, really stands out. It does, yeah. yeah. So are all of the mares in your broodmare band former performance horses? Um, no. Most of our broodmares will come from Germany. Really? Which is, yeah, which huh. is the, the origin of the Hanoverian. It's from Hanover, Germany. And um, our stallions as well. Mind you, we've, uh, we're actually looking at a, a stallion down, a Hanoverian stallion down in... Uh, I think it's Maryland right now. So that is that's what they we have right now at our farm, which is outside of Ottawa. We don't have our breeding farm where we do our training. We have a I think it's a four hundred acre beautiful farm just outside of Ottawa and that's been there since nineteen sixty eight and that's where all the breeding is done. So you'll have around twenty babies a year? Pretty much twenty, yeah. 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 So and and the ones that uh 
are born either chestnut or too much white or too small or too big, we end up uh, putting them into auctions. Like we'll have a, a sale every two years, and what money we make out of that, we put it back into our breeding program. So you could buy your very own royal mountie horse. Mountie horse. Would that not be cool? <laughs> so that begs the question: if your brood, if your brood mares are not former performance horses, yeah. um, when you are a performance horse and you're done with your career, and I don't know, I don't know how long that career is, what do you do with a retired performance horse? That's a very good question because you're talking to the right person that has the answer for it. Um, <laughs> since not, uh, since 2008, we have been kind of adopting our retired horses out. Because they are owned by the government of Canada, we can't really give them away. It's still RCMP property. Mm-hmm. So since 2008, I've kind of taken over the job of uh, controlling any horses that can't do the duties of everyday duties of the musical ride horse. Uh, rather than just having to put them down because they are no more used to us. And we think, you know, if they have more life to go out and live like a horse or be a lawn ornament, we'll do that for sure. If they, if they have injuries that are, you know, something that's always going to have them in pain and constant pain and constant medication, not many people out in the real world would want to take a horse that right. requires that Especially amount today. of yeah. attention. Yeah. So, I mean, unfortunately, those horses go on to greener pastures, but the ones that are still, you know, they have a lameness issue, but it's not too, too bad. Um, we, we adopt them out to families that have farms, uh, therapeutic riding facilities. And, yeah, because uh, they're certainly well broke. I mean, they are well broke. <laughs> Absolutely. They're very well broke. But, um, you know, sometimes it doesn't, hap- it doesn't work out, and then we end up getting them back, and then we'll find another place. But... Uh, we, right now, we have, I think, 19 horses that are retired from the musical ride. How many? What's the, uh, what, who's the senior of the group right now that's still working? The senior of the group right now is a horse named Hector, and he will be 25 in May. Wow. wow. What's the youngster in the group? Um, all the youngsters, well, actually, on the musical ride are six. And so will you bring in a certain number per year to get them trained up, or how, how does that work? You rotate them in, or...? Yep, we, we have a very strict training schedule. Um, we not only have musical ride horses at our stables, we also have equitation horses, which are the horses we train young members on. Most of those horses are horses that have, that have done their time on the musical ride and just really can't withstand the pounding anymore and the traveling. So we keep them there, and they, they help us out on training the young members to come in. There's also, every year, we have three-year-olds that come in from the farm, and that's, at three years of age, that's when they start getting introduced to uh, the riding aspect of it. kind of glad that you're not doing that sooner. You know, we we always talk about that with racehorses and things, and, um, I, you know, I'm just kind of glad. So they'll be in training for a couple of years, and you won't put them in the pattern till the, or on the string until they're six? We have a very strict program of three years of training yeah. these horses before they're actually ready for the ride. Because and I guess have... one can really mess it up. <laughs> well, and that, you know what? It only takes one mistake. And, yep. and you know what? Your horse is screwed for life. So it's, yeah. it's a slow process. We'll train them for a few months, and then we'll send them back to the farm for a little bit of a break. And then we'll rotate the three-year-olds back out to the farm. We'll bring the four-year-olds back in. So it's, every year you're going to get new horses going on to the ride. So now, for next year, we've got, I think, eight, eight young horses going over to the musical ride starting next month. And that's not necessarily saying that all those eight are going to stay on the ride. Sometimes these horses don't pan out or they, 
I mean, when you, if you guys have both seen the show, there's 32 horses doing very intricate maneuvers, and they're very, very close together, and some horses don't like that. Yeah. So <laughs> if that's the case, then they're a well-trained horse, and then they're put in the auction to be sold. And I want to go to the auction and buy one. Yeah, so they're that so, would be so cool. Beautiful horses to begin with. They're hand-of-variants. <laughs> they're so cool. Yeah. <laughs> so what is a typical work week like for a horse that is on the string? Because if you're an event horse, you have... X numbers of days that you do gallop sets and you do dressage schooling and you do show jumping um, practice. What's the work week like for a royal mounted horse? Um, usually they'll start, we work on Monday to Friday as, like every other normal person. And that's one good thing I like about this job. There's no more shift work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what we usually do is say start, I'll give you an example, in January is form up. Um, form-up is when the musical ride starts practicing for that year's tour. And every year the tour is the, the maneuvers and stuff are different and different programs, so on and so forth. So you want to get match horses to riders. So you ride Monday two, day, er, two times a day, so it'll be an hour and a half in the morning, an hour and a half in the afternoon. So that's three hours of riding total. Same thing on Tuesday. Now, instead of making your horses get a little sour and sore, We'll ride only once on Wednesday, and then Wednesday afternoon, it's uh, we call it fatigues, and it's make work project. You make sure that the members they don't not only clean or not only ride their horses, they have to clean their stalls, they have to clean the stables, they have to make sure everything around here is tip top shape. It's it's pretty much very regimented here because we have a lot of visitors and tourists coming in, and you want to make sure it's nice and clean. So Wednesday afternoon usually gives the horses a little bit of a break, unless you're a young horse and you need schooling. So then we go into the school and we'll work on them one-on-one more so than, uh, I mean, on a normal Monday and Tuesday, you've got 36 horses in the school. It's kind of hard to do a one-on-one thing. Then Thursday, again, it's a two-day, uh, two-ride day. And then Friday is usually, if all goes well during the week, Friday is a fun day. We can go jumping. We can go on river hacks. We can, you know, play games, play basketball. Another thing called is murder ball because <laughs> it gets pretty competitive. But <laughs> I want to see some video of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not pretty. There's sometimes their shirts are ripped off people's backs and everything. That sounds like horse ball a little bit. Yeah, you, you yeah. Canadians, you're tough. <laughs> yeah, Gosh. we're very competitive. Yeah, but I mean, at least that way on a Friday, it gives the horses a break and it clears their minds because. It, if you can imagine trying to practice this twice a day for five days a week, yeah, yeah. you would go crazy. Yeah, you would. So, I mean, yeah, definitely. And the horses would, too. I mean, they need that yeah. break. They need that trail ride time, too. Oh, exactly. And, I mean, the thing is, every year, the horses and their positions, we try to change them around because after about a, uh, a couple hundred shows a year, you're, you, the horse is pretty much going to anticipate turns yeah. because they're so used to doing the same thing over and over. So you want to keep clear on their mind as well. Now... With uh, so the, I did know that because we talked to a few of them when we saw the last ride, the officers are are really in charge of their own horses, their upkeep and the the cleaning of the tack and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, which is which is good. I mean, I think that that helps with the bonding there too. Um, yes. What is the most difficult movement? Because I'm assuming you have a you know a couple of dozen dozen different movements, and you change the order in which they're done. And they're like, what's the most difficult movement for the horses? And what's the most difficult movement for the riders to learn? And is it the same one? You know, it, it, it could be the same one, but I have actually two that personally I find can be difficult. For the riders especially, it's called the swinging gates. And that's when you have uh, you, our, our, uh, our ride consists of 
four sections, four rides. So there's two rides on one end and there's two rides on the other end. And what happens is that uh, one section of uh, horses will be going clockwise and the other section of horses will be going counterclockwise. So it's I'm not sure how to explain it. But, uh, a little you're bit going... wagon wheelish. Well, no, it's not like a wagon wheel. It's it's like uh, you have a straight line of horses uh-huh. side by side, uh-huh. and they're going clockwise, whereas the other horses are facing them and they're going counterclockwise. So you you really got to pay attention and make sure you've got that hole to get your horse through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> the and wow. the the other maneuver that I think is difficult for the horses because it's. It's towards the end, and they anticipate it, and they know the show's almost over, and they get to go tearing, ripping, and roaring down the end there, is the uh, called the thread the needle. And that's yeah. after we do, I don't know if you ever remember seeing yep. the $50 bill of Canada, and they had the mounted police on the back, and they're doing the, uh, you know, the, the circle in the front there, and the, the lance is going down and then back up. Well, after that, we start cantering, and it's uh, four horses cutting in front of each other, and then you end up having two horses going into half sections, and you do the same thing again, and then you form up into sections, and then you cut behind four other horses as well. So that's that's a lot of work for the riders for timing and stuff like that, and, and also the horses kind of get reared up, and yeah. sometimes it always doesn't always work out the way you want it <laughs> it's, to. It's that part of the show that you're excited to see it, because anybody who's ever sat on a horse for more than 30 seconds can understand how difficult this is to steer them and get this all done. Yeah, but it's also so difficult that it has the train wreck ingredient because you know if somebody takes a wrong step, for that matter, if somebody's horse decides to reach around and bite a fly off his shoulder at the wrong moment, things could go wrong in a hurry. Absolutely, <laughs> and you know what? We always tell the riders because everybody gets all upset. The show goes on, even if, and we've had several injuries with people coming off of horses. Unless they're bleeding and cut in half and they're they're doing the way, <laughs> you will continue the show until the end of it. Yeah, because they are policemen. They all want to stop and help. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they want to do traffic. Yeah. <laughs> and I imagine, I'm not going to ask you the embarrassing question that you always get asked, I'm sure, is what's the biggest catastrophe at a show? Because uh, I don't want to put you through that again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, the biggest is is the exact, the movement that I just talked about with the the thread, the needle. It's precision, and you have to have perfect timing, and you have to be riding your horse and riding with your head up. And let's face it, everybody has a bad day every once in a while. Every oh, horse yeah. has a bad just, day. Every once yeah, not all of us have our bad day when there are thousands yes, and thousands of people watching. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I mean, it happens. Horses are horses, and some, some people are bound to come off, but, I mean, it's nothing's perfect. Well, at and least every, it's nice soft and sand. And was different, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, one of the most amazing things, and then we'll let you go, is when we, when we watch these rides, I love, and I don't know if you require this or not, but uh, both times that we've seen it, it's happened, is they groom the arena first. So it's perfectly smooth, the sand. And then you guys come in, and you really can see how precision it is by the tracks that the horses make because they are so lined up. Nobody is off. And oh, yeah. you, you see that in the sand. Do you ask them to groom it before you come in for that reason? Well, you know, out of all the years that I've traveled on the road, um, you're you're considered very lucky if you have a sand arena to do your show in. Mm. Uh, we go to communities that barely have baseball fields. Yeah. We've, we've shown on uh, um, 
plane strips at an airport. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. Wow. Like as long as it's it's uh, even and big enough for us to perform in, we will do it. Unless I mean, we don't do it on pavement or anything like that. But yeah. when we do have sand arenas, it is so nice to see. Uh, it groomed nicely before we come in, and yeah, you can you can see the patterns for sure. It's impressive it's because so cool. there's not a yeah. mark at its place. Well, now I'm even more impressed with the, what you guys do. Yeah, really? we've only ever seen you at Sandarinas, Good actually. So, golly, <laughs> well, we could go probably on and on for another couple of hours and take up your entire day, Karen. And uh, thank you very, very much for stopping by and talking to us about this. Where for people who are curious about what the Royal Canadian Mountain Police musical ride does where can uh, where can they learn more at um we have uh we have our own rcmp website and it's www.rcmp.ca it's pretty simple and uh it goes and gives you a little bit of history on the uh, the musical ride and the origin origination of it and so on and so forth and it also will tell you like i said earlier it gives you the schedule of the upcoming tour for the following year and all horse people should have seeing this ride on their bucket list, yes. preferably with lots of horsey friends, a large yep. carbonated beverage, and popcorn. Yes. Exactly. And yeah, also, exactly. you can find them on YouTube. Just look up Royal Canadian uh, Mounted Ride or Musical Ride, and you'll find a 1,000, 10,000 videos. Uh, oh, yeah, see. you'll get lots of hits on them. In fact, you'll probably get a lot of hits of uh, horses that have no riders, and they're still doing the show. Oh, that'd be fun. I haven't looked that oh, one yeah. up. Now, now I'm going to have to look. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Corporal Miller. We really appreciate you being on with us. You're more than welcome. Thank you very much for having the chat with me. So as we said, you definitely have to go see this show. If it's in your area, it's a must-must-see. It's a must-see, absolutely. And they usually have it at, uh, at other events like Dressage at Devon. As we're in, a lot. Yeah. It, you, you see them frequently at Expos. very large expositions and horse shows and stuff. Yeah. But you have to keep your eyes open because, as she said, or go to their website to see the schedule because they don't come back for four years. That's for their <laughs> policy. So if you miss them, you're not going to see them at you that know, venue for a while. And it never occurred to me because I've probably seen them half a dozen times over the years. But for people who don't, have the opportunity to go to horse expos and very large international level horse shows on a regular basis. Like we do don't have those opportunities. You really have to keep an eye out, but because we go to places like the Pennsylvania national horse show and dressage at Devon and the world equestrian games and the various and sundry horse expos put on around the United States, we come across them a lot. And after talking with corporal Miller, you realize that it's, it's a pretty special deal. You know, I wonder, we didn't get to ask her. I'm sure different size arenas, they have to adjust their show, too. I know. Like I said, I have even more respect every, for what they do. It's every amazing. different size arena is yeah. just... And, you know, you, we've all seen the 4-H drill team, and no, no offense to the 4-H drill team hey, hey, out hey, there. Hey, they do hey. a really good job, but this takes it up a notch. Well, a you know, notch. it's like peewee football, and, National Football yeah, League. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> Something right. to aspire to. There you go. Well, we're going to be right back with our Tack and Habit segment. We have something a little different for you today, and we really start talking about the holidays. Yep, that's right. We start talking about the holidays. Do you realize? It's 48 it's hours till Christmas. 10 weeks till Christmas. Do you have a company in the horse world? Are you looking to get the word out about your products, services, or shows? At the Horse Radio Network, we understand our advertisers need to reach the equestrian consumer in the most efficient, cost-effective way possible. 
Internet radio shows like this one, also called podcasts, allow the flexibility and creativity to craft unique messages that stand out from the herd and reinforce your existing marketing and social media strategies. If you want to learn more about advertising on this show or any of our shows on the Horse Radio Network, contact our account manager, Lisa, at 847-790-4476. That's Lisa at 847-970-4476. Or you can drop her an email at lisa at horseradionetwork.com. Our listeners are terrific, engaged, and avid horse people, the ones that you are looking for. Well, today we have something for you we have not highlighted here on the Tack and Habit segment of the Stable Scoop Radio Show for the and last three years. And why ever not? I don't know. We just have never done it. We thought, well, it's the holidays, and this is something you have to order in advance. You have to get it now uh, to have it in time for the holidays. So that's why we thought well, we could better bring this one on early. And that is Gina Johnson Designs Horsehair Jewelry. Now let's talk to Gina about her fantastic jewelry using your horse's hair. Well, hi, Gina, and welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Good. I don't think we've ever had anybody on the show, especially in the Tack and Habit section, section, who has done horsehair jewelry. And when we saw yours, we thought it was so nice, and it was so lovely, and we've actually seen you mentioned on Facebook a few times that we had to have you on to talk about it. How'd you get started doing horsehair jewelry? I, um, I actually was attending Tyler School of Art for Jewelry Design, and I was managing a horse farm at the same time, and I wanted to combine my two passions. So I started to experiment with the horse hair and the jewelry. I know. And, I know. When I look at some of them on here, I'm just on your website at uh, GinaJohnsonDesigns.com. You know, some of it doesn't even look like horse hair. It just looks like jewelry. You know, it doesn't look like horse hair. Yes, it's. Um, I use a process. I. Um, Encase horse hair in resin, so it looks like a stone. Yeah, it does. So it, you can't actually recognize it as horse hair, but it takes on a different form. Now, I really like the braided work and things like you know the ones that are braided. And um, I'm looking at one of the bracelets here. And you, you also, you know, being a horse person, understand about horse design. And you know, I, I'm looking at this and going, "Yep, she's using the appropriate bits and things, and it, it looks right." You know, because um, we've seen so much jewelry over the years that you can tell was designed by non-horse people. Oh no. <laughs> It's, um, I do pay attention to the details, and I'm uh, very careful in picking my design. So. And now people can send you, they can either buy some of your designs with horse hair that you've gotten, or I can take my own horse's hair and send it to you and pick out a design. Is that right? That's correct. And how long does it usually take then? Orders usually take three to six weeks um, to complete, and yeah, it's usually goes pretty quickly. So if they want a Christmas something, they need to get it, start getting it into you now. Yes, probably by November 12th. Okay. That's the deadline. So I'm, I'm sitting here surfing around your gallery of 
photographs and you have lovely pictures of the jewelry. And I see you, you have some that are, the small pieces of hair are encased so that kind of reminds me a little bit of just a tiny little bit of like a tiger's eye type of jewelry with that striping in it. Yeah. But I also see some of them that the hair is braided to become rope-like. Tell me about how that works. Um, with the braided bracelets, uh, that's tail hair. And it's, I have to count every little hair, so oh it's an even braid, um, but it comes out beautifully. It's very strong once it's woven. Yeah, it looks braided. pretty tight, yeah. Yes. So what, how do you treat the, particularly in the case of the, the, the tail hairs braided into the, I guess you could braid it into a necklace if somebody wanted you to, couldn't you? I could. Yeah. How do you treat the hair so that, A, it looks gorgeous, and B, it remains durable. How does that, what do you have to do to it? Do you have to do anything to it? I don't do anything to it. That's just its natural appearance. Huh. Now, do you require people to... She to takes walk? the burrs out she before burrs uh, out. she braids <laughs> it. Do you, when somebody send, somebody wants one that's custom made and they send you hair, um, what are their parameters? How much hair? How long does it have to be? Does it have to get washed first? Uh, depending on the piece, um, a lot of the bracelets take about 12 to 15 inches of hair and what will happen is we'll take the hair from the center portion so you don't see the cut mark yeah very important to hide that (laughs) Um, unless you plan on shortening your horse's tail 12 to 15 inches to begin with it's probably a good idea um, (laughs) not be good (laughs) and what will happen is that um they'll coil it and they'll just soak it in a little bit of warm water and let it dry and put it in a Ziploc baggie for me. Um, it's very important not to scrub it, because it'll knock the hair. It makes uh, things far more difficult. <laughs> and I assume, too, that a lot of your pieces, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I assume that you're, a lot of your pieces are probably for people who've lost horses and want to keep them close by having a piece of jewelry made out of their hair. Yes. A lot of times the horses have been have passed away. I would and think that... Is that the majority of your business, would you say? I would say a majority, yes. Yeah. Um, I've, I've gotten a little bit of everything. Um, I don't just do the horse hair. I'll do other pet's hair um, in the resin pieces. Yeah. I see an opportunity here. Zenyatta <laughs> hair jewelry. Yeah, you Fam- can make a fortune. Famous horses. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you, you have a famous horse. You send some hair off to... Gina and say, hey, you know, make jewelry and you can sell it at those You'd make a fortune. Money ra- those fundraising <laughs> auctions. I pay money for Mucho Macho Man's hair. Oh, no. <laughs> I have, I've done Charles' first haircut. I've done, let's see, dog hair. I've even had a request to do guinea pig hair. I was going to say, what's <laughs> the most unusual critter you've had? <laughs> it's kind of crazy how things have progressed, but... People love their animals, so... I'm looking important. at our dog thinking it, we probably wouldn't be too successful because we have a greyhound, <laughs> and there's just not a, lot of, oh. <laughs> not a lot of hair there. Not a lot of spare <laughs> hair, now. So what types of metals do you use for the metal parts of your your jewelry, Gina? I use stainless silver and 14 carat, and uh, the pieces have some weight to them. I want them to be um, very durable, so they're a little bit on the heavier side. Well, this is absolutely wonderful. You can find out more. You can see all the beautiful pieces here at uh, GinaJohnsonDesigns.com. 
Um, and she has from simple, very simple rings where the hair is, you know, kind of embedded in there to much more elaborate though with the bracelets, with the woven bracelets and things like that. So I think there's something for every price range here. And she has a terrific gallery. It's so hard to take pictures of jewelry, as Jennifer and I know from our years of doing retail. And you do have some excellent pictures, obviously, done professionally. So check them out at GinaJohnsonDesigns.com and get your Christmas orders in today. Don't wait because you'll wait too long. Well, the best thing for them to do would be to call you, tell you what you're interested in, or drop you an email, and then you'll tell them how much hair you need and that kind of thing? Correct. Okay. That's perfect. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you, Gina. Gina did want us to clarify that 99% of the jewelry she makes are from your horse's own hair and custom jewelry like that. She does not buy any hair from anybody uh, to, to make jewelry. The, the other 1%, she uses her horse's own hair. She just wanted us to clarify that. Well, again, you can find her work at GinaJohnsonDesigns.com. That's GinaJohnsonDesigns.com. You know, this is not necessarily an inexpensive purchase for a holiday gift, but because of the nature of it, it's something that you're going to do once probably for for that special horse. Well, sure. And even if you're purchasing the pre-made jewelry from what I'm going to call generic horse hair, it's quality jewelry. It's not the tchotchke stuff. Right. It's, it's 24 karat gold. It's sterling silver. 14 karat gold. Or 14 karat gold. Sorry yeah. about that, Gina. Um, and it's beautiful stuff. This is it, it lives inside of a glass case. It's not what you see on the spinner rack at the Kangaroo Mart. Yes. Yes. So the, <laughs> if you want something quality, if you want something to remember your horse by or your dog, for that matter. Your dog. Your cat. Your cat. Uh, your guinea pig. I don't want memories of our cat. Thank hey, you very hey, much. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey. There's a reason his name is the Beast. Yeah, you have memories of the cat. It's called yeah. scratch marks. Yes, exactly. And he decided to try and eat one of my hard drives yesterday while we were gone. <laughs> he, he did a pretty good job of it, too. <laughs> one of my hard drives from my computer. He actually had it on the floor and was tearing it apart. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what a cat sees in a hard drive. He's anti-technology. I guess. (laughs) That computer is taking up too much of his time. That cat needs a job. (laughs) So, everybody, we'll be back again next week. Thank you so much for joining us here at Stable Scoop Radio Show. Uh, Helena will be back next week. You can find us at StableScoop.com for all of our past episodes. And you can find all of the shows on the network at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Jennifer does one called... Horse Tip Daily. And it's a uh, about, what, four or five times a week? Yep. Yeah. Few, several times a week. It goes up and down a little bit. But at least three times a week, we pop out a little handy-dandy, uh, brief educational moment. Sometimes it's something like how to get your horse's tail clean in a hurry. It could be uh, health tips. It could be tips on running a more efficient barn. Uh, runs the gamut. And uh, pot, they come out. And you can find us on horsetipdaily.com. And we also have a Facebook page, Horse Tip Daily. And I also noticed she does a good job on the Facebook page, too. Uh, you're at episode 697, almost 700 episodes of Horse Tip Daily. Yeah. That's a lot. A lot. There's a lot of tips on there, everybody. And and you, there's a little, uh, there's a way you, on the left there that you can search by topic, too. So yes. you can uh, pick the topic that you want to hear or see, like self-improvement is one of them. Uh, trail <laughs> riding. If you want to learn about trail riding, there's 13 tips from different experts all about trail riding. You just click on... Click on that, and you can see all the tips, and you can listen to them all right in a row. Or you you can subscribe to any of our shows through iTunes. Just search for the name of the show, and you'll find it. There we go. Thank you, everybody. I'm going to go now because I can't talk anymore. Uh, Happy scooping, everyone.